0: Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 Prison Break and get you on the path you were always meant to be on.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back. Another episode of the W-2 Prison Break show. I say it every week. I'm going to say it. I'm going to continue to say it. I really appreciate your support and tuning in every week and helping to support our mission to educate and inspire 1 million people to quit their W-2 jobs and start the business of their dreams by the end of 2026. You listening every week, rating the show, reviewing the show, super important, and share it with someone if you feel that the message would resonate with them. I'm super, super grateful. Okay, today, a couple of things I want to talk about before I introduce our next guest, Steve Murnick. We talk a lot on this show about leaving your job. We talk a lot about real estate. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the mastermind that I'm a part of, creative financing. That was the way that I was able to leave my job. So, if you're interested in real estate, if you think that that might be the path to exit your W 2 and specifically you want to learn more about creative financing, buying properties with no money down and no banks and not having to qualify. I'm going to give you a free gift today. It's two books. I have a chapter in one of the books, so that's reason enough to get it right there. Go to, and this will be in the show notes, go to wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash W2 prison break. That's wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash W2 prison break. And you will get two free books mailed to you. You don't have to pay shipping, so just sign up and grab the books, and you'll learn a little bit more about creative financing. Okay, let's get to today's guest, Steve Murnick. By the way, he has a chapter in that book, and so do I. So definitely grab that. Steve Murnick, he's part of the mastermind that I'm with, with Wicked Smart. And he was in the woodworking industry, worked W-2 for 16 years in Rhode Island, and then eventually transitioned to real estate. He became a full-time real estate investor. And coach, he's now a coach for the group that we're a part of since March of 2020. And he coaches people how to build and scale their real estate business by using creative financing. It's really, really great stuff. You're going to hear how Steve had plenty of struggles and fears and doubts and self-limiting beliefs and how he was able to overcome them and what the main differences are between before he left his job and now. So without further delay, let's get right to the episode. Steve, welcome to the show, buddy. It's good to see you.
2: Brian, as if you don't spend enough time with me, you had to have another hour with me.
1: It was pretty much all day yesterday, but that's okay. That's a typical, that's <laughs> a typical day in the life. No, I mean for the listeners, Steve and I go way back. It's been several years and we're part of the same real estate mastermind. So and I want to just say for those of you who are listening and not watching, after you listen to the episode, make sure you head over to the YouTube channel because Steve is supplanted firmly on his Game of Thrones chair it's a must-see so please go watch the episode of the YouTube channel all right all kidding aside Steve we were talking a little bit before we hit record about you know your path to real estate is like a lot of people it's not a straight line and it's not necessarily well I was doing this real estate thing so I just let into real estate so give us some context about you know what you were doing for a very long time before you found real estate as your path out of the W2
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. It's, that's, we were just saying like almost like five years now of since we've gotten into real estate. And it's funny. I can't even remember my life before that. So, what I used to do is I came from about 75 years of family owned business. My grandfather created three generations of opportunities for our family, starting with his family to his kids, passed down to his grandkids, a couple of my cousins as well. And what we did was we were in the woodworking world. So we did all like high-end stuff like kitchens. And basically, they were all luxury items, everything that we did. That's what we built. And we did that for years and years and years. I came along. I worked for them for about 10 years. And somewhere around 2012, which was four years after the crash, which we were pretty impacted by the customer base because we didn't sell necessities. We sell luxury items to people who were well-off. And about 2012, the business was starting to really slow down. And we had got purchased by a big, large company that was like doing more or less basically manufactured work, not custom. And I just spent the next, whatever that was, I think it was somewhere around six or seven years, super unhappy working for corporate America. And I just realized very fast that, man, I need this family-oriented, trusting, loyalty-like environment. And just wasn't happy with my life at that point, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. Very similar story. Okay. So how did you find... We're part of the same real estate group. We've been part of the same group for several years. You've been around longer than I have been. And I remember some of those moments where you would come on the masterminds and you were just pretty miserable. So I remember those moments and you're definitely not now. So Mm -hmm. maybe chat a little bit about how you came to find the group that we're in, Wicked Smart now. And then mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about like some of the challenges and struggles that you had when it came to finally leaving.
2: Yeah, yeah. So in the summer of 2018, my wife at the time, we were both looking at Ways into real estate because we both had entrepreneurial brains. Like we always had either multiple jobs or we had a couple businesses that we were messing around with. Like I built furniture, custom furniture for people. Like I was just doing stuff as additional income for the family. But I wanted to get serious and I just, I knew real estate from other people. Even my grandfather that I mentioned earlier that had the 75 years he created a family business, he had rentals all over the place. I didn't even know about this until probably five or six years ago, wow. but I just knew that I needed to get in there somehow. So it's so funny that at first, before we even found out about Smart Real Estate Coach, we had gone and taken like a $50,000 HELOC out in our house to buy our first multifamily. Because so, I didn't know anything else. I just knew that that's what you do, right? And my ex-wife at the time had just got like a Facebook ad of Smart Real Estate Coach. And I'm like, this guy's from Rhode Island. He looks familiar. Either way, I we started digging into him. was like, wow, this guy's just like us. He's super honest. He's super blunt. It doesn't seem like there's any nonsense here. Come to find out. And this is just a kind of, this is an additive. I'm talking about Chris Prefontaine. I did work for him back in like 2007 and did a bunch of stuff in one of his his luxury condos over on Dame Street, Newport, where we have the events. And he was like a customer of ours for years. And I just didn't know because I didn't have really relationships with our customers. But that's how we came into it. It kind of just organically happened. And then we went and called and we talked to the whole family and just figure out, is this what we want to do? And we ended up buying that multifamily because we had put a bid on a house and somebody else outbid us. So like, all of this just happened to work out. And who knows if that one house that we didn't get the bid on would have affected where I am today.
1: Amazing. I did not know that mm. story about Chris and you worked on one of his houses. Yeah. yeah. He's referencing Chris Prefontaine, by the way, episode 15 of the W2 Prison Break Show. If you want to check that out, Chris Prefontaine, my coach and mentor and Chris's as well. That's who we're referring to. Okay. So you mentioned, so it is kind of interesting how when you're looking for something, it just appears, right? Mm-hmm. What you said, something that resonated with me, which was you wanted to get serious. Like you've been kind of dabbling in these side businesses, which I think a lot of people who are working WTs are doing, but you wanted to get serious. So what was it that made you want to get serious about it?
2: Good question. So I mean, I spent so many years not really understanding business, but I knew I could outwork the people around me. So I was throwing more energy than I was like physical energy at things than using my brain for so many years, Brian. I mean, I'm talking like I would just be and it's good to hear this because this is kind of gives you a perspective if you're at home, right? And you have a job and then you're also have this entrepreneurial brain where you're like you're creating businesses, but maybe you're not getting a lot of traction. So like my life, when I first like found out about smart real estate coach was, I had a job, I was working 60 hours a week. I had an hour drive to work. I had an hour drive back when I got home for, I worked second shift. So I got home at like midnight and I had two very young kids and I was building for my other businesses when I got home from 12 to three in the morning. And every day I woke up at seven to start my day over again. And I wasn't getting traction because I was doing too many things. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the bandwidth. And there wasn't anyone surrounding me, like looking over my shoulder to give me any kind of insight on what I could be doing differently that will find success instead of me just burning the candle on both ends and just thinking all this energy is going to equal to something. I needed somebody to be able to give me guidance. And I didn't have that for so many years. I just had the work ethics.
1: Okay. Okay. This is good stuff because I think I'll... A lot of people need to hear that because they're probably doing exactly what you did, you know, burning both ends of the candle, just thinking they could out-hustle and out-work everyone, which may be the case, but there's limitations on that. And eventually you'll get to the point where it's like, I'm just tired of doing it. It's like, I've had enough. Like, there's got to be a better way to do this, right? A faster way, a more efficient way. Right. You said surrounding me, people surrounding me. Okay. So you made the decision to join the group and... How long from the, I want, we'll get into the details, but how long from the moment you joined, well, go back here. You were doing, you were in W2 for how long? 16 years. And how long out of the 16, were you really trying to do something to help break you out of that life?
2: Probably months after my family got bought out in 2012. So I would say somewhere around six years of needing something to somehow get me out of this thing that I hated so much.
1: Okay. Six years. This is good because I know this would be similar. So you join the mastermind group, you get a coach, you get, you're surrounded with the right people. How long before you left the W 2?
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. So funny. 16 months. 16, one 16. One six,
1: 16. Yeah. yeah. Sixteen, mm-hmm. okay, sixteen months for me, it was about a good ten years of trying on my own, and then nine months after I came into the group. so this is not like rocket science like this stuff matters, okay, thank you for sharing that, Steve and i for remember sure. I remember the day that you left your job and it was a it was it was a joyous moment for the entire group. but mm-hmm. maybe like what started to change once you joined the group and then let's get into some of the fears around leaving the job, even though you like, had the support and probably were feeling pretty good financially. But what started to change, number one, and then we'll talk about fear.
2: This is easy, and it's so funny how simple it is, but you need other people sometimes to show you the other side of the tunnel. In my career, what I've always been good at is connecting with people and being able to lead. And I was always a supervisor or something. So I was good with people. Now, what I wasn't good at doing was voicing my honest opinions and creating boundaries with people who had a direct impact on my future. Mm -hmm. Like when it came to that moment, I knew it was uncomfortable and I was just kind of the path of least resistance in difficult conversations. You, You don't get anywhere, right? Doing that. And when I came into this group, Of all these people that are trying to build something that they're unfamiliar with, the same fears, the same doubts, is the honesty and vulnerability and being able to say no. I didn't like saying no. Okay. I let other people dictate my time because I didn't value my own. I think that was probably, now that I'm saying it out loud, I kind of think that that's probably what it was. And when I came into the community and I started building these skill sets of talking to all these different personalities on the phone that don't know me from a hole in the wall, but then I started realizing the impact of honesty and authenticity on the phone, I started to transfer and transition those same skill sets in my W 2 job. And then that's when, like, when I started speaking honest about my feelings, then I started realizing really how not only how unhappy I was with it, but also. I had zero leverage on my future there. I I just started to finally realize that. And I knew from the people I was surrounded by in this community and the overall genetics inside of me from people who said, I'm going to take the driver wheel right now and I'm going to take over and I'm going to change the path for hopefully generations like my grandfather did. That was there. I just needed to see it and I needed to have the right tools to access what was already, I think, inside of me.
1: Yeah. That was flipping awesome, Steve. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you just came up, revealed some things about yourself that you didn't even realize (laughs) during that little talk there. So really awesome stuff. Didn't value my own time. A lot of us have problems with boundaries, zero leverage on my future. Great stuff. Okay. So Let's talk a little bit about, because we keep talking about Wicked Smart, we keep talking about real estate. Let's talk a little bit specifically about what it is that we're doing and why that resonated with you because we are helping a lot of people. I love the thing about the sellers because, and we'll go back to that in a minute, but I love the thing about mastering this art of talking to people and how it carries over into other areas of your life. But let's talk about what we're doing first.
2: Okay. So basically, what we do with the creative financial real estate that we're in is we take unconventional problems that sellers may be having in their life where they aren't able to, you know, come up with ways for them to get from point A to point B. And we're coming up with creative solutions that can get them there that are, that break the conditional way that we think, right? We're able to help people say, in, you know, on one side who have, Maybe some financial disrepair and their lives, they don't understand how these moments in their life financially can impact them for the future. We're able to help that and stop the bleeding and get them in a position to not only be able to take this, say this home, right? And I talk about this a lot with students. What a home represents is way more than just the house of where you live in. It's a place where you you create memories. That's why this it's sentimental, right? People, this is when they have a bad day or they have something really terrible that happens in their life, let's say. Yeah. They always can rely on this home that's going to be the place where they can be them in their you know, highest or lowest moments in their life. There's a lot attached to a home outside of a transaction. So you have to be able to go ahead and humanize all the conversations that you have with these people and understand that there is some kind of pain here. And hopefully- there's a way that I can create something that's going to get them to exactly where they need to go. And if they don't, that's completely okay. If I can't help, I'm still going to put you in a position for you to go in a place that's going to still give you the ability to achieve what you're looking to accomplish. So the creative financial real estate puts us in a position where there's a lot of people out there, guys, that aren't like your normal seller that can just hire a real estate agent, sell their home, move on to the next thing. That seems like that should happen every time. The realistic side is it doesn't. And not everybody can just afford to hire a realtor or they're in a position to have this conventional transition. And we're out there seeking out these people who need help and coming up with solutions that can move them on to the next thing.
1: Well said, Steve. And yes, it's all about what we do as we solve problems and we help people move on. I've often... Said this, and I know you and I have discussed this. The home is your primary residence, typically for most people, it's typically your number one asset in terms of the financial piece. But mm-hmm. above that, in my opinion, it's your biggest emotional attachment as well. Because again, like you said, the family you grew up there, your family, your kids, you know, maybe you know, some people who grew up in a house and they stayed there, right? They inherited the house from their parents, they still live there. So it's hard to let go of that, and you have to be. You know, a lot of the sellers that we talk to, you and I have talked to thousands and thousands and thousands of sellers. And, you know, a lot of them are bombarded with people who are just throwing numbers at them and not listening to them. Like they're talking about the financial end. And any property that I've ever purchased has not typically been because of the financial side, it's been because of solving a problem for them, removing pain from their life and getting them to the next phase. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And a lot of people are flocking to this. A lot of people want to do this because of the uncertainty that's going on right now in the marketplace.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is when it comes to, I can't speak on all real estate because I've only focused on a financial real estate but this has to be about people. There's sides of it that are obviously transactional when you have to get to numbers and stuff like that. But if you don't get to know the person, the situation they're in, how it's going to impact them, whether now or in the future, if they're not able to get to their goals, you can't help them. There is no solution that you can come up with if you don't know what the problem is. And I think that's probably in the beginning stages of building this business and learning the ins and outs of the skill set, I think that the human touch is missed in the beginning because maybe you're stressed out about talking to people and how they'll perceive you and all this other stuff that we tell ourselves that's not real, right? We tell ourselves that, like, the person on the other end is going to hate us. The person on the other end is going to, what if he finds out that I've only been doing this for a month? What if he finds that, you know, you just start having all this internal negative dialogue. But the realistic side is you have to show up curious in looking to help somebody. If you can lead with your heart, then you'll be able to help somebody, whether that's with you or just putting them in a place that's going to be more beneficial for the, whatever their situation is today. It's very important. and people, I think a lot of people mix that because obviously you're getting paid to do this. Mm-hmm. So it may muddy the waters, right? And what it is that helping and then the financial gains of it. But at the end of the day, there is no financial gains unless you're doing this for the right reasons.
1: Well said. Absolutely well said. So for everyone listening here, Steve's a coach. Okay. Not only was this the the exit to his W two, which we're going to talk about in a minute here, but he coaches his stuff alongside of me and some other great people. So, which may or may not be his plan when he came in, but he is a coach. He's a tremendous coach, and you know this is the type of stuff that really changes lives. He's changing a lot of people's lives. Okay. Now you come into the community, you start doing some real estate deals. Now you're feeling like you want to leave. Right? It's time to go. I remember. I remember this several years ago. But maybe kind of walk us, take us back to that moment, what you were thinking and (laughs) ultimately what was it that got you to, you know, to pull the trigger and leave?
2: Yeah. No, you're going to get the super honest truth on this one. So you may even remember this. This was probably like a month or two before I quit. Mm-hmm. And if you're not involved in our community on Thursday nights, we have a mastermind with the entire group and we it's just open dialogue. It's very organic and we're able to talk about whatever it is people want to discuss. Mm-hmm. And so what I worked second shift. So an Eastern time for where I live, it's five 30 at night. And my lunch break was right around that time. So on well, my dinner break, I should say, cause I work second shift. And I was having a rough, rough day. I was pissed. Excuse my language. I was just fed up. I think everybody has this moment in their life where enough is enough. And that happened to be that night. And I remember that, like on the inside, I was ready to explode. And we usually get on the call like five minutes early. Mm-hmm. And I remember Chris said to me, Steve, you all right? Like it's like he just knew that whatever it was on my face, I was wearing whatever was going on inside of me. And I broke down. I was a mess. I don't usually cry. And I was upset. I was just just having a rough day, man. I need to get out of this. This thing is taking everything from me and giving me nothing in return. And it's affecting everybody that's surrounded by me. There's a dark cloud around me. And the closer I get to the people I love, that dark cloud is now over them. So I had to do something. So now, realistically, when I quit my job, six months prior to that, financially, we could have did it. But I had so many things that I was telling myself. I am not going to be the one that is responsible for bringing this ship down to my family, not being able to pay my mortgage, not be able to give my kids the same things that I'm giving them now. I just like it was this moment of like I knew inside of me that if I quit my job now, I have the motivation and discipline to provide for my family. But there was this tiny side on the other side that was saying, What if you can't? So that was the only thing holding me back. And I just had to, my fears and doubts at the time were outweighing everything. And I had to get to a point where my why, the meaning why I was doing everything, it didn't matter about all that noise. That noise was nonsense in comparison to what I was going to chase down like a rabid dog. There was nothing that was going to stop me. But I had to believe that myself. And I was on that line right before I quit. That line between, can you do it? Of course you can do it. And it just, I had to take that leap. We all, if you're going to quit your job and you're going to go full-time in something, it doesn't make a difference. You're going to have this feeling, uh, this queasy feeling like this is a bad idea. It's because we're doing something, we're betting on us. But for us to be successful and take ourselves to complete new highs, you have to be able to put all your chips on you without a doubt, not even thinking about it.
1: Man. Drop the mic, sir. No, totally agree. Totally agree. And look, it's called being a human being. I felt the same way when I was going my job. Financially, you could do it. It was just like, eh, there's something a little uneasy about this. Okay. I remember that moment. I remember that because I think you were sitting in your car. I think you had gone out to your car. Mm. And I believe you kind of expressed your concerns on the mastermind. So what was it? I mean, everything you said, I've heard it all. So many people have said it, you know, the fear of betting on yourself, like, what if it doesn't work? You know, what? blah, blah, blah. But you're really close. You're like right on the line. So what gets you over the line?
2: Yeah. So I had spent at that point, let's say 16 months around these people who have made massive changes in my life. And I'm not just talking, I'm talking about financially. Talking about personal growth-wise, I mean, I found things about myself that I didn't allow myself to access, you know, like the vulnerability. I'm one of those people who are on the outside. I'm fun. I like to engage, but no one knew like the darkness that could have been inside of me about certain things. I just wasn't somebody to share those things. This group had brought that out of me so that I could actually say like speaking on this podcast and realizing something in the moment, right? It's just, I didn't allow myself to do that before. But what I realized was, and I knew this because Chris had said it there is nobody here including myself that'll allow you to fail there's no one we're with you no matter what we're with you and in the past i didn't have outside of like support of family members i didn't have actual people surrounding me that are actually going to do things to progress me to a place where i could feel like at ease with my situation and i think the fact that i didn't feel alone and i had so many people all they wanted to do was give themselves to me, like whatever they could give me, they would give me and they were looking for nothing in return. I knew I was in the right place around the right people. And there wasn't any way that I could fail because realistically, I mean, unless you're in the community, you can't a hundred percent understand like, and relate to what I'm saying. But in general, when you're around, like we always say, like you, you are basically financially like the five people you hang around with the most. And it goes more than that spiritually, whatever you want to call it. I hang out with about 80 plus people a week who are doing the same thing or trying to achieve the same things that I am. And we have the same doubts and we're able to make massive changes from a 30 minute conversation. As simple as that. And a lot of it's just limited in beliefs. It's as simple as like what holds us back is always between our ears because the skill sets and the abilities that we have are almost indistinguishable, right? But it's like, what the person can master with the internal dialogue is what stops them or makes them great.
1: Totally. What stops us is us. Always, always, mm-hmm. always. Ed. And when we don't get what we want, we look at outside factors that are out of our control and we blame that. Great story. Great story there. And then, you know, the support. Nobody in the community told you that you can't do it. Steve, stay in your job. Nobody said that. I remember that too. Everyone was encouraging like, hey, it's time for you to go, man. It's time for you to go. Now, did anybody outside of the group tell you to stay in the job?
2: It's funny, right? Like this is another thing. You have to understand the purpose of some of the relationships that you have with people in your life. And it could be the closest people that you love more than anybody in the world, right? Pick anyone you want, whether it's sisters, it's mothers, it's grandparents, whoever it is. And they're... What they want to do is they want to protect you, and they love you, and they want to have everything work out for you. But those people sometimes aren't the ones that are going to propel you into what you're looking to accomplish. You're right. So I think it's important that whoever it is that you're surrounded by, make sure they're at least doing, if you're taking advice from them, they're doing what you're doing. They're going through the same journey, or they're ahead of you, right? So they can give you foresight on what potentially is going to happen if you do these things. That's incredibly important. I feel like it was a second question there, Brian, and it lost my brain.
1: No, that was it. I mean, I think the the advice that you're giving is, you know, hey, look, if you want to become a real estate investor and quit your job, you don't talk to somebody who worked for you know, the government for 40 years and retired with a pension. Uh, like that's the wrong person, right? You would go sure. talk to maybe your grandfather, right? Who who had actually been a real estate investor or get around the right people. So be careful who you take advice from. We normally let me know if you agree with this or not, Steve, is we have these self-limiting beliefs. Like, no, I can't do that. I shouldn't do that. That's risky. I shouldn't do it. And then we go out and we look for people to validate that belief. And the easiest way to do that is to go to our family members. Who will tell us what we want to hear, trying to protect us, or people who are in our circle in a W-2 that will say, No, 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 don't do that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that if I were you. And what they're saying is, Yeah, I wouldn't do that if I were you because they're scared of that scares them. So would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, projecting other people will project their insecurities on you just because it's unknown territory. They don't have a perspective, right? So it scares them, like anybody. And another thing I, I think it's important when it comes to like when it comes to the doubts Mm -hmm. within yourself, like this is, you have to go into this, just say you're trying to be a business owner, not even necessarily real estate. There's going to be plenty of moments of uncomfort, doubt, all these feelings. It's normal, right? And it's okay that you're feeling that way. When it comes to the uncomfortable side though, if you're feeling uncomfortable doing something you haven't done before, it just means that you're accessing potential that is completely foreign to you. And you don't know the results of what you're going to do. And you're scared of what if it doesn't turn out that way. But I can tell you right now what this journey of taking a chance myself, which that's what it was. I had to take a chance. I said, you know what? I'm not happy with my life right now. And what am I doing other than complaining and hanging out with people who like complaining? I'm just another one of the people, right? Sucked into this negative space that I'm just living in all the time. So put yourself in a position. It's okay that you feel uncomfortable. It's okay. That's a good thing. But you have to give yourself the ability to see what the other side of this dark tunnel looks like, because I can tell you right now, being on the other side, when I came into this community, I was an expert in woodworking and what it was that I did. I was, I could look you in the eye without blinking and tell anybody who was wanting to have a question about what working, there was nothing that I didn't know, or I didn't feel confident about. And when I came into doing something new, I was incredibly uncomfortable because I felt like a 17 year old again at a job for the very first time. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what the processes were. I didn't know the tricks. I didn't know how long things would take. So my expectations were all screwed up. You have to be willing to surrender to this and lean on the person that you chose to put in front of you to bring you to the next level of whatever this thing that you're chasing is. I'm referring to coaching. Without coaching, think about it as an Brian, you're a sports fan. Do you think that there is any NFL, NBA, or MLB player that played baseball independently without a coach on any of their teams that they played on?
1: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. (laughs) It's not real. I can't smile enough because it's ridiculous how we think that we don't need coaches in life. But that's the only way you continue to level up and advance. And so many people are against it. And there's a lot of reasons why they are. I think one of it is, is the fear that this could become real and you have to actually bet on yourself. But no, great point. Yeah, no, there isn't a single player. I mean, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time. And you better agree with that. He was coached. Yeah, do it on his own.
2: I think that a lot of us get to a point in our life. I don't know if I want to say necessarily we think we got it all figured out. I think we like tell ourselves that we've outgrown the ability to be mentored or the outgrow the ability to have somebody take us to another level because maybe we feel so content in what it is that we're doing. That we're like, we have happiness. We're not a Maybe we're not hundred percent fulfilled. Maybe you are hundred percent fulfilled. But there is no such thing as knowing everything or not being able to proceed. And I thought about it yesterday while I was on a call with students. Every single year since I've been in this community, at the end of the year, I look back and I say, "Wow, I have accomplished a lot." But then when I go a year in advance and I look back, I look back at how much I really didn't know, and. The realistic side is is in my w two job, I spent so many years like doing the same things, but like progressing as far as like basically where I limited myself because I didn't have people pushing me. And then where I am now, like I'm, I'm telling you, in a year from now, I'm going to look at myself in this podcast, and I'm going to be very unhappy with some of the thoughts that I had. Some reason, I know it. I just know me. And right now, I feel like I'm the best version of me. But if you are not growing every day, 1%, small as that, people are going to surpass you. You're not evolving. So just you have to be open and vulnerable enough to know that there is people out there that can progress you and bring you to places that you didn't even know existed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're doing a great job, Steve. So I mean I, I, know, I know you and I know that you're gonna do that because you have you are of the growth mindset, right mm. some mm. people are are cool with where they are, right and that's fine. If you're intent with your W2 and you know making a hundred grand a year or whatever it is and you get to spend more time with your kids and you're good, hey, I'm all for that hundred mm-hmm. percent. but if you're like Steve and like me and we were like, hey, we hate our life. We're unhappy. We want. We need to get out of it. Like it's usually a few tweaks, right? It's not these massive. You don't have to jump off a building, you know, and take this massive action. You normally just have to do a few things and then continue to do a few things and stack and stack and stack. And then all of a sudden, three four years go by, and you're talking on my podcast.
2: Mm. <laughs> Isn't unbelievable! I say it all the time, and and Zach, another one of our mentors, was saying it as this positive focus on one of our. Calls the other day. We spent like 15 seconds just saying something at the beginning of a call that's positive, family, business, whatever it was. And he had said, I have a speaking opportunity at Duke. How did I get here? You know, and we look at Zach, it's like Zach is a superhero to us, right? But like I have these moments because I'm open enough to perceive and reflect on them now of like, I was here at one point. And if you ask people I went to high school with, what i'd be doing now it wouldn't be where i am now because i just wasn't just the opportunities were not in front of me but like to think that and you mentioned this on one of the other calls we had brian with that analogy or whatever it was about the captain on the ship the captain has his hands on the wheel right he knows exactly where he's going if he moves the wheel one degree he ends up in a completely different place than he planned and you have the ability to do that in your life. You can make a tiny change that can directly impact your life in the most significant way if you are up to do it. If you have... I don't want to say guts to do it because I've had the guts to build businesses my whole life. I just didn't get anywhere, but I didn't do it right. I didn't put the people in front of me that could progress me. That's the important key. Do not go 10 years or 6 years thinking about on un- as unhappy that you are until you finally take action because who knows where Brian you would be and I would be if we got those 16 years back.
1: 100%. Look, I don't regret my path. I'm sure you don't either, but you know, you talk to anyone like us, wh- what advice should you give? It would be like, start sooner. I wish I would have mm-hmm. done it sooner, right? Not sure. that we regret it. So really great stuff, Steve. I want to give now you're a coach, Steve's everyone, Steve's a coach. So he's coaching this stuff and he's doing it at a high level and changing people's lives. And we're going to give it now. He said that he didn't envision he'd be where he is right now. Had it had to be a coach, been on multiple podcasts on stage. And speaking of on stage, a week from now at the airing of this episode, you're going to have an opportunity to meet Steve and myself. Our group is having a a mastermind event live in person in Newport, Rhode Island. So if you go to wickedsmartsummit.com, you can grab a ticket. You hang out with me and Steve and our entire group and check it out. This type of talk runs through the entire group. Like This is all how we are all the time. So if you want to be around some cool people and meet Steve I would highly suggest you grab a ticket. It's definitely never too late. The second thing I would say to you is Steve is also an author. All right. He wrote a book. He talked about helping people earlier. He's got a chapter in a book. So do I. It's called Sell with Authority for Real Estate Investors. And we'll give it to you away for free. Uh, And you're also going to get a book that Chris Prefontaine, our coach and mentor wrote, called Real Estate on Your Terms. You get them for free. Just go to WickedSmartBooks.com forward slash w 2 and You get to read. The books will be shipped to you for free. So you don't have to pay shipping, all right? Okay, Steve, before we start to wrap up here, I just wanted to ask you, what would you say then and now? So when you entered the community, this unhappy person or you were excited, but like before that, what do you think some of the biggest changes are for you between then and now? Like what are some of the biggest differences?
2: So this specific business, Creative Financial Real Estate that we're in, I think what it's done for me is let's take out the real estate side, the business side, learning how to really listen and put value in front of people first without looking for anything in return has changed my relationships in my life. And and it started with just calling sellers, right? Learning how to talk on the phone. And what it ended up turning into is always being present, always being authentic, always being me instead of being what I think other people want me to be. This niche of real estate and being surrounded by people who have challenged me to think differently, challenged me to access places that make me feel uncomfortable, go deeper. I hired mindset coaches. Like only The only reason why I can talk about these things and articulate them is because I knew nothing about them and I knew I needed to. And because the people surrounding me, they can't get the best version of me if I'm not working on myself first. If I'm a person that buries all my emotions like I did for the majority of my life, right? Those people who are trying to connect with me can't connect because I are not allowing people to do so. And this group has given me the ability to learn how to focus on me because I felt so selfish. For so many years, thinking about doing something for me, it was always about everybody else. And I never left time for me. Right. Yeah. And what I was able to give these people was a fraction of myself in comparison to now. Mm-hmm. So be vulnerable enough. Okay. For you to really feel things that maybe you necessarily push down to the bottom, like allow those things and reflect on them. Because when you start to reflect, now I have the ability to connect with my students. Like I can go ahead and feel these things they're feeling. And just by their their overall tone or whatever it is that they're going through, I can get to that place and I can help them. And the only reason why is I know how to get to that place inside of me now. And it's very important. It changes, as Brian, you know. It changes the way you talk to your children. It changes the way you talk to your spouse, your wife, your family members. It's a completely different world if you'll take the chance to go there. 100%.
1: 100%. Couldn't agree more. And I love that you did. I knew you wouldn't talk anything about dollars because most people just think if they're going to hire a coach, it's got to be quantified in dollars. Well, that is true. The side benefits are so much outweigh the financial and then some, because we're not okay. here on this earth just to earn a bunch of money, right? That's it, man. I love that. What would you say, I just got a couple more questions for you, Steve. Mm -hmm. What would you say, what habits, maybe it's one or two or three or whatever it is that you do that you didn't do before, right? That set you apart or that make you successful that you're doing that consistently on a daily basis. Now
2: this, I will tell you this, Brian, I'm going to be honest for a very long time. I didn't take care of myself physically, my diet or workout or anything like that. About six months ago, I took it serious from Chris, as we were talking to earlier, he challenged me. We talk about clear and blunt to the point. You want to take action and you're fighting it, have the person that you trust the most tell you, Steve, you've been talking about this since I've known you for five years and you still haven't started working out and you still said eating healthy, either start now or stop talking about it. And when I did, my goodness, how different the world is when you feel good about you and you feel good inside and you feel healthy and you're not tired and all that stuff. I was talking earlier about like being the best version of you. These things are all parts of the puzzle here. For you to be able the best version of yourself. The other thing is, and this sounds so simple and so stupid, but like I always used to go to bed late and wake up late and do everything and be very uh, react. I'd always be reacting instead of being planned. So now my days and everything, I'm planning the night before. I'm waking up early. I'm I'm exercising. I'm having a daily routine. I'm doing something finally for me, so that I'm winning starting out the day. And everything else just falls into place. It's easy. And then the other piece, and this is more of an organizational piece, but like before I came into this group, I had a calendar on my phone. I didn't use it, but I had a calendar on my phone. In my entire life, down to when I'm supposed to be cooking meals, when I'm picking my kids off the bus stop, work stuff, everything, it is in my calendar down to a T. And then there is, as you know, Brian, you've heard my phone a million times. There is an alarm that is paired with it so that I can go ahead and always be prepared because I was living a life of just never being prepared and reacting. And that affects how productive I am. So I think those are the main things in my life right now that are probably fueling the success that's to come and and right now the things I'm focused on.
1: I love it. The small things. I mean, health and fitness is important to pretty much everybody. But other than Chris calling you out on it, which is again, that's one of the benefits of being part of a group, is like people aren't, oh yeah, you'll do it next year. It's like, no, quit talking about it. either do it or quit talking about it. What other tweaks have you made that's you've been able to do it for this period of time and stick with it?
2: Accountability. This is the big piece. Russell, another coach in our community, awesome. He every single morning we send each other metrics. We do that through what this is called an aura ring. It's basically like the whoop app. It monitors your sleep, your sleep, your activity, everything, restfulness, all that stuff. And every day, the first thing we do when we wake up is we send our numbers and a voice memo to each other, specifically a voice memo. So we can hear the overall tone in our voices, what kind of mood we're in and all that stuff. And we say what we did, that we did all of our disciplines, right? We ate our breakfast, we worked out, we got this much sleep, whatever it is. That is a huge piece of this because when you don't have somebody else holding you accountable, sometimes it's very easy for us to take the road of least resistance, which is just saying, I'll do it tomorrow. But the thing is, is tomorrow never comes. You have to get in this routine. You have to build these habits. And once these habits are in place, they they just become a part of your life. That's it. Instead of this thing that is like this, you know, this giant mountain that we're like, I got to do this again. I don't love working out. I don't love running, but I'll tell you this, how I feel when I'm done with it and how I feel when I look at myself outweighs any of this nonsense in my brain. I tell myself about this is going to be tough. I don't want to do it today. I'm tired. That's all for the birds now, because I know the results. You're just going to give you a chance to see what the results are.
1: Totally. Thanks for sharing that. By the way, folks, Russell ham has been on the show as well. He's one of the earlier episodes. I have the ring too. I mean, and Chris, we keep talking about Chris. Chris is my accountability partner, the guy who told Steve to shut up and stop talking about it. <laughs> so I have to, to deal with him every morning and he's up at like four something. So I wake up and you know, he's already sent me everything. And look- We joke about it, but there's something to that, especially if you're a teeny bit competitive. It's like, I don't want to work out either when I get up. I'd rather not do it. I'd rather stay in bed, but I know that I have to report. And it's like, I'm not going to, like, that's huge. So if you don't, and you can apply this accountability thing to anything in your life. It doesn't have to just be about health and fitness. Any goal that you're trying to accomplish, the point that we're trying to get across is you don't have to do it by yourself. Like Mm. you get around people that want the same thing and you do it together. Like I gotta go run six miles after this podcast. I don't want to do it. It's like 30 degrees out. But I'm going to because I told Chris that I was gonna do it. So this this stuff matters. Wouldn't you agree?
2: I hope that Cherry Hill treats you good today,
1: buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're going to run on Cherry Road. I'm going over to Cherry Road today. Steve, this has been tremendous. Okay, last question. This is a wrap up here. You're in a room with all the listeners. They all want to leave their job. They don't like their life. They're in a place where they're feeling stuck, and they're just not sure. What would you say to them?
2: I would just let them know that doubts, that's a natural thing that's going to happen to all of us, okay? It's okay to feel doubt. It's okay to have insecurities in the moment, but don't let that stop you from pursuing something that could be literally your dream life on the other side. Okay, And I think this is important because I just saw this the other day. If your listeners may listen to David Goggins and I'm not religious, he's not religious, but he said this, and this is really, really impactful. He said, what if when my time comes and I go to the pearly gates and I'm standing there in front of God and he shows me a picture of myself and he gives me a stat sheet. And that stat sheet says, it says, David Goggins, 182 pounds, Navy SEAL, Ranger School, all these accolades, and he goes, That's not me. Who is that? And God tells him, That's who you should have been. So don't go through your life like just holding back and not being the person you were meant to be. Please don't do that. I mean, I spent a little time doing that, not a ton, because like you said, Brian, I don't resent what I did in my past because all of those skill sets. All of those tougher, difficult manual labor days that I went through, those were all part of my mental toughness journey of knowing who I am, how far I can go, like having mentors along the line that were like very important to who I am today. I wouldn't change that. What I would change is my overall view on myself because even though everyone around me saw potential and they thought that I was this, that, and the other, I didn't believe what they believed because I was telling myself things that weren't true. Change your internal dialogue, reframe your thinking, and be the version of you you should always be.
1: Ooh, man. That was pretty heavy. That was pretty heavy. Wonderful. Steve, thanks. I love the David Goggins quote. I'm going to listen to that, play that back. Really awesome stuff. I appreciate you. I mean, I appreciate your friendship. I've learned so much from you. You were somebody that I looked up to when I came into the community. And you're just continuing to teach me some great stuff. Vulnerability is hard for people, especially men. Mm. And you're doing a great job. So I appreciate your time today. I look forward to seeing you soon. And everyone, make it a great day.
2: Thank you for the platform, Brian. I appreciate you, buddy.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out. And please subscribe. Go to www.w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W-2 prison break. Here's to busting you out.